0: Colossians chapter 1, and we'll look this evening at the first part of Paul's prayer in verses 9, 10, and 11. Let me read that passage again to you. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. I wonder if you have any idea how many prayers there are in the, in the scriptures. I won't ask for answers, but I reckon there'll be a, quite a variety. There are well over 600. It depends where you draw a line as to what is a prayer and what may just seem to be a simple request, but there are over 600 prayers. Of course, there are different kinds of prayer. There are, there's praise and adoration to God. There is thanksgiving. There is confession of sin. There is intercession. There is supplication. Fundamentally, prayer is an expression of our dependence upon God. Prayer is an offering up of our desires to God in the name of Christ for things that are agreeable to his will. That's the key phrase, as we will see this evening. For things that are agreeable with God's will. Some of the most helpful and instructive prayers are those of the Apostle Paul when he writes to the various churches. And this book of Colossians is no exception. We see in verse 9 that Paul is a man who not simply prays, he is given to prayer. Notice what he says in verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. He was given to prayer. That suggests then that his prayer, which he expresses here for the Colossians, is really an expression of what is the standing need of every church in every generation the apostle is an apostle of christ and we learn from his prayers what the will of god is and so that we can then make it our prayers as individuals and our prayers as a church of Jesus Christ. So I would suggest to you that this expresses a standing need of the Christian church. By that I simply mean it is relevant to every generation of Christians and ought to be frequently on our lips. His prayers then ought to shape our desires, our aspirations, our hopes, and when you begin to take on board what he's saying, these prayers really have the force of an exhortation. You know, this is the way then you are to live. If you pray this way, you're not praying just using words, it's praying because you're going to live in a certain kind of way as a consequence. So you can turn these things, and as a preacher, I can turn these things into an exhortation to you. But I want to look through with you this evening at these words in verses 9 10 and 11. Let me give you something of the brief briefly of the background what was happening in Colossae just two things I want to draw your attention to and that will help us understand why he is praying in this kind of way now Paul was not the founder of the church in Colossae that was a man called Epaphras he's mentioned here uh, But it was a growing church. It was a fruitful church. We read that uh, in in the opening uh, words of this first chapter uh, from verse 3. We've heard of your faith in Christ. Verse 4, sorry. We've heard of your faith in Christ, your love for the saints, the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. It's come to you as it's come in all the world is bringing forth fruit these were men and women who were once alienated from god they were strangers now they had heard and known the grace of god and paul is full of thanksgiving because you can see the evidence of the great change that has taken place in their hearts and in their lives they were growing in grace he knows according to chapter 2 and verse 5 though I'm absent in the flesh and I'm with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ and you read that and you think well you know they're doing really well aren't they and yet this man says I do not cease to pray for you that's why it's a standing need The fact that they are doing well and prospering and growing does not mean he does not need to pray for them. Quite the opposite. In fact, it's a further incentive to keep on and go on praying for them and for their progress. But the other aspect, they are doing well in many respects, but the other aspect is the present danger that the church in Colossae actually faces. Satan attacks churches in different ways either by direct persecution or by introducing false teaching. And it's the latter particularly that's happening here in Colossae. Chapter 2 and verse 1. I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face... In the flesh. And he goes on there in chapter 2 to talk about the false, empty philosophies which were taking people away from the supremacy and the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were circulating in Colossae and Laodicea, there were false teachers, deceivers, who come with persuasive words of human wisdom it sounds very orthodox but it's way way off the truth they are empty deceivers pretenders they're cheats it's worldly wisdom they're claiming superior knowledge but in fact they're turning people away from Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge Because these people were saying, Jesus Christ is not enough. Not enough. And Paul says, you are complete in Christ. You don't need this nonsense. But it's a danger. It's an ever-present danger. And that is another reason why the Apostle Paul is focusing his letter, addressing these issues and telling us how he will continue to pray for them. This whole letter focuses on the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's the firstborn from the dead. He has preeminence. Now, our circumstances are very different from those in Colossae. And the events in our lives are different from those in Colossae. But brethren, do we not have the same fundamental need? To continue in prayer in a certain kind of way. As we have received Christ, so we are to go on in Christ and continue to walk in him. And if we would do that, then we must pray this prayer because it expresses that very desire. So then, having given you something briefly of the background, let us go on to look at the content now of our prayers. What is to be our main petition? What's our standing, fundamental standing need? Now often when we come to prayer, we're taken up with our temporal needs, especially when we're ill, when we get old, when we get sick or events happen in the family they can tend to become the focal point and it's not wrong of course to pray for those things certainly isn't but undergirding everything about us there is this standing need and there it is in verse 9 it is really one petition with a particular end in mind one petition We ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you feel that that is your fundamental need? Is that what you pray for? Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will. I want to love you. I want to obey you. And as we'll see, I want to walk worthy of you that is to be our fundamental concern it's a a very comprehensive petition an unceasing petition remember paul is given to pray he's not ceasing this is not prayer he prays one day and then doesn't pray it again for another 18 months or something he doesn't cease he's given he consistently daily cries unto god in this kind of way and that ought to characterize us He's lifting us then above our temporal needs, above our being content with half measures, our mediocrity. And we can easily compromise and grow weary and give up, rest on our laurels, content with our own spiritual state. That's dangerous. And Paul is saying here, we must pray and i am praying unceasing that you may be filled with this knowledge filled that is to completeness do you completely know the will of god i don't is that reflected in your life it's not reflected in mine i've got a long way to go you've got a long way to go to be filled with the knowledge of god's will brethren there are gaps aren't there too many gaps imperfections shortcomings there's more to know there's a great deal for us to more to enjoy more riches more grace more the grace of god in jesus christ in whom as we've said before are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge filled with the knowledge of god's will those deceivers he says will lure you away With their flights of fancy. They'll lay false trails. They may appear attractive. But they'll promote false humility. They'll impose restrictions on your liberty in Christ. No, rather, you are to be focused on Christ. Because Christ is the one who reveals the Father to us. Christ is the one who makes the will of God known to us. We have it here In Christ, we have it here in the scriptures. Supremely in his work as our redeemer, as our saviour from sin. If we want to know the will of God, then it's expressed in our salvation. And who can comprehend our salvation in Christ? How can we understand the length and breadth, the height and depth of the love of God towards us in Jesus Christ? We have a long way to go. But he wants us to be filled and he's praying that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And that will affect the way we live. Because in chapter 3 in verse uh, 2, Paul says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when christ who is our life appears then you will also appear with him in glory that's god's will that you appear with him in glory one day and that's going to affect the way then that you live now you can see what i mean when i say when you pray this way it's so easy then for me to exalt you to live in a certain kind of way but this is to be the heart and soul of our prayers but in order to be filled with the knowledge of his will We need that constant supply of wisdom. We need to know and have settled convictions about what we believe about Jesus Christ, what we believe about God our Father, what we believe about the Scriptures. Because that wisdom is the practical skill to live to God in this world. And that's the difficulty isn't it? It's living in this world. If we were in heaven it wouldn't be a problem would it? (laughs) But we're not yet in heaven. One day we will be. But for now we have to learn wisdom making the right choices. Understanding God's will for us and what that means in this present climate in which we live. This present world in which we live. that's what understanding is it means to be able to discern to tell the difference between what is good and pure and what is wrong and impure wisdom and understanding means you are able to face an issue a crisis a particular issue that arises in our culture and you're able to say this is the right way This is what the scriptures teach. This is God's will. And notice in verse 9, it is a spiritual understanding. And I believe that that is a reference to the Holy Spirit. We cannot understand, we cannot acquire wisdom by ourselves. It's by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. This is the special privilege of every child of God. You've been given the Holy Spirit. He shines the the light of God's truth into our hearts and into our minds. So that we are able to take the things of Christ. It's the Spirit who shows us those things. Jesus said that would be the case. And it is the Spirit who stirs up then our hearts to desire these things and to hunger and thirst after these things so that we have a relish for the truth. We cannot be satisfied with anything less than the truth of God's word. That's the work of the Spirit of God. How then can we be discerning in this wicked world unless God works in us by his Spirit that we may make the right choices. You know in the previous letter that Paul wrote in the Philippians in your bibles there in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9 he says that i pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of christ he's looking at it from another angle but he's saying the same thing he desires that they know god's will and we need the spirit of god then to open up the truth to our hearts so then is there is the principal petition there's only one petition here really but the rest of it flows from that secondly then we see some of the reasons why he prays this petition and it's right that we know this we understand this because it will motivate us and drive us to pray in that way notice here in verse 10 that so that it's here's the purpose so that you may walk worthy of the lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god Now, I've gone on to the next point, but I I want to read it and see it in its context. Paul is praying with a specific end in view. He has a definite purpose. But say one phrase just glides into the next. It's very difficult to divide it up. But two things are mentioned here. Specifically, firstly, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. And then he adds fully pleasing him that you may walk worthy of the lord brother sister in christ is that your principal aim in your life to please god to walk worthy of him is that your desire for this church for your brothers and sisters in christ a member of this church You, as the head of the home, you men who are the head of your homes, husbands, wives, as you seek to care and concern yourself with the affairs of your children in particular, as you work alongside unbelieving colleagues, you live among unbelieving neighbours, is that your desire? That you be filled with the knowledge of His will? And then that you walk worthy of the Lord. You can see how it's a natural flow, can't you? It would be an utter hypocrisy to pray, well, Lord, we want to know your will, but we're not going to do anything about it. and We're just going to live as we please. I mean, that's unthinkable, isn't it? It just doesn't fit. But worthy of the Lord. Who is the Lord here? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? he is the lord worthy of the lord jesus christ who redeemed you with his precious blood he loves you have you felt the obligation of the gospel does that lay heavily upon your heart and upon your conscience jesus christ has loved me with a love which i cannot fathom he has redeemed me he saved me from my sins what else can i do but walk in a way that is worthy of him. To become more like Christ. Following his example of purity. His piety. His love. Loving him. Loving his commandments. But you'll notice the Paul is stacking up his phrases here. He adds Fully. Pleasing him. You thought it might have been unnecessary. You're walking worthy of the Lord. Uh, Paul's not satisfied with that. He wants to push you further. He wants to stretch you. Fully pleasing to him. Fully pleasing to him. All pleasing. That's what it means literally. Wholehearted, sincere and fervent intent. So you see nay, see there why we need to pray In this kind of way. We have a long way to go. But if you want to stay on course. If you're going to run the race to the end. Then this is the way to pray. And this is the way to live. But then. There is another aspect in this prayer. Because that. Will be evident these things now will be evidence and what is the evidence that will be seen in your life well it is there in verse 10 being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god there are two pieces of evidence that the apostle paul draws our attention to that he's praying first of all fruitfulness in every good work there's a lady that turns up in the early chapters of the acts of the apostles her name is dorcas she is described as a lady full of good works and charitable deeds and that's a pattern not just for the ladies that's a pattern for the men as well full of good works and charitable deeds when god works his salvation in us It is his plan and purpose for us to do good works. Not because we can be saved by them, that's impossible. But we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And if we're praying, fill us, Lord, with the knowledge of your will, make us walk worthy so that we might walk worthy of you, then we will be full of good works. It's an inevitable outcome of this. And this is what Paul is praying for. When Paul writes to Titus, he's saying that God creates a people who are zealous for good works, Titus 2 and verse 14. And there are a multitude of good works, as long as you're arm. It may be simply a cup of cold water given to a stranger. Scripture mentions things like that. But it may be relieving the sick, maybe caring for widows. Maybe taking particular care and giving attention to a single mother, an encouraging phone call, baking a cake for someone who can't do that, relieving the distressed, bearing witness to Christ. And let's not forget just simply praying for one another. That's a good work. There are a multitude of good works think of a tree in full blossom it bears a lot of fruit you see the blossom some of it will disappear the frost might nip it but if the blossom stays on the tree then it bears a lot of fruit remember how jesus spoke about a barren fruit fig tree we're not to be barren we are to be fruitful in every good work, a barren victory, what does that speak of? Deadness. It's had it. It's finished. It's not going to produce anything. But we are to be those who bear fruit in every good work. It's easy as a Christian to become a recluse, to separate yourself, to withdraw. So it's always difficult to go out of your comfort zone. But if we're to bear fruit in every good work, we have to move out of our comfort zone. We're not to become introverted. We're not to become reclusive. Not to become focused on ourselves. You do good works, it involves everybody else, even the unconverted. Involves others in the church. But notice how Paul comes now a complete circle. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I said one one phrase just glides into the next. And here he's saying now, increasing in the knowledge of God Himself. You see, living the Christian life. And what Paul is praying for is far more than just holding to right doctrine. He's praying for a life that is transformed. By the grace and power of God, where there is a fear of God, where there's a love for God, a love for the truth, where there is obedience, where there is godliness, piety, call it whatever you will. He's praying that this will be evidenced in our lives as proof of the fact that we are growing in our knowledge and understanding of the will of God. You see, it's like an ever-expanding circle as you are filled with the knowledge of god and you walk worthy and you bear fruit then you are increasing in the knowledge of god now you may not be aware of it but someone who carefully observes your life will see it all too plainly it will be evident it's very difficult for a christian to judge am i am i growing in in the grace and knowledge of god We we can't do it on a daily basis. We have to do it, well, where was I five years ago? Where was I 10 years ago? Have I I grown? Have I I matured? And we may need to ask our friends, our close friends, say, do you think that I'm I'm, I'm growing? Do you think that I am making progress? You see, how do you make that progress? How do you get to know the will of God? It's as you submerge yourselves in this book. It's as you grasp a hold of the covenant promises of God and the faithfulness of God so that you are rooted and grounded in the truth concerning God, that he is committed to the saving of his people, that he is committed to sending Jesus Christ into this world and there is no undoing his plans and his purposes But you see, if you're unsure and you're uncertain of those things, you're going to be, oh, you know, rocking like this. You're going to be on a roller coaster. It's only as you are secure in God and in Christ and you understand what God's plan and purpose is as he works out salvation in your life, that you are rooted, that you are secure, and that you are able to take the blows And the batterings that Satan brings and this world brings. It's as you immerse yourself in the Beatitudes. There in Matthew chapter 6, those qualities that characterize the Christian. So as you immerse yourself in the Ten Commandments. That's not very popular these days to say that. I was with some friends, uh, American friends, taking them to London. I took them into one or two of the old churches. One was Wesley's Chapel, another was John Newton's Chapel. And there, behind the preacher, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes. I don't know how many people read them these days, but they walk into that church building, but there they were. Could you summarize? Could you give me the, the Beatitudes? Could you give me the Ten Commandments? This is God's will. It'll be on, the, on our fingertips. We immerse ourselves in these things. And you see, as we, as we do so, we find that this knowledge and this understanding of God... We are moved. We are moved as we understand God's tenderness, God's majesty, God's wisdom. The more you understand the ways he works in you, the way he works in this world, the more you will understand of his power and of his love, the more you will increase your knowledge of the will of God. That's our fundamental standing need. Have you been a Christian five years? Have you been a Christian 50, 60 years? Same need. Same need. You may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's the prayer of the apostle. That ought to be the standing prayer of every church of every pastor of every head of the home of every christian but i have more to say and paul has more to say how can this petition possibly be fulfilled uh, it's overwhelming isn't it i mean you say H- how how can i how can i how can i attain to this kind of praying and this kind of living How is it possible, given my circumstances in which I live, do you know my circumstances, you might say to the Apostle Paul. Isn't it impossible to to pray in this kind of way and live in this kind of way? And then there are your sins, your fears, your temptations, your struggles. And Paul's prayer is overwhelming. You'll notice the alls, the filled with fully increasing this man is not satisfied with anything that is mediocre he's pushing you further and further and further forward and you begin to feel the force of that you say how on earth is that possible paul well look at verse 11 here is your comfort and consolation it's the power of god strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy is as you are empowered by the holy spirit of god that's the only way that's the only way is divine strength is divine power that is required and given and supplied in abundance so take heart don't give up And silly, don't be content with just limping your way through in a mediocre kind of way. And what is this power? It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's amazing. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that is working in the saints. Filling them with the knowledge of God's will, so they walk worthy, so they bear fruit in every good work, so they increase in the knowledge of God. That alone, that power of God will alone produce patience and long suffering with joy. Notice that. Don't list out the joy. With joy. Sometimes in the fight, in the struggle, we lose our joy it overwhelms us and paul says no i'm praying and i know that god will strengthen you to that end one of our elders in derby is preaching a series of sermons on ephesians 6 on the the christian army he's called it the fight to the end fight to the end that's what we are called to do and to be well where are we going to get the strength from it's the constant daily supplies of god's power and the marvelous thing is this that sometimes when you are in the deepest distress when you're at your wit's end then you know and prove the power of god if you're going along you know nicely on the surface no many stresses and strains you don't feel that need do you to cast yourself upon god but what happens when you're in a crisis then you cry and god is pleased to show his power to strengthen you and to keep you because you don't get a turbo charge at the beginning of your christian life you get a turbo charge every day (laughs) every day of your life you need it it's the power of god that daily strengthens you You see christian you're not some stoic some cold-blooded creature who gloomily resigned to your lot in life a christian is someone who has stamina god-given stamina god-empowered stamina to last to endure to persevere patiently with joy to the very end only God can do that and He is pleased to do that and Paul is praying to that end he's proven it again and again and again this man has been facing death so many times and God has delivered him and God has comforted him and strengthened him well he's not an exception he's the rule that's what God does in all of his people That's how you will endure as you are filled with this knowledge of God's will. That power is more than able to help you and to overcome evil, to overcome temptation, to surmount all the difficulties and troubles that you face in this life. God is for you. God is working for you. God is empowering you to live in a way that is pleasing to him. Isn't that a comfort? Isn't that a great encouragement? I make no apologize, apology for exalting you, you know, to go on to fight the good fight of faith, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Or, quote it correctly, wisdom and spiritual understanding. Though I think it makes much difference. Is there someone here this evening who's not yet a Christian? I say not yet. My hope and prayer is that you will become a Christian. And I believe in the power of the gospel to change your heart and life. But let me ask you very simply, where are you going what direction is your life taking? What's important to you? What's the most important thing in your life? Do you want to know the will of God? What is God's will for you if you're not a Christian? I tell you, one sentence, quite easy, is for you to come to Christ and be saved from your sins. That's why God sent his son into the world. He's the saviour of sinners. You're a sinner? Well he came to save sinners like you and like me. That's his will. That's his will, that's his plan, that's his purpose. To save sinners. But are you still stuck in your sins? Paul goes on in the following verses talking about being delivered from the power of darkness. You're in a kingdom of darkness. You may know something about Christ. Oh yes. If you sat here long enough in this church and heard the sermons, you know something about Christ. But what is Christ to you? Have you actually been delivered from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son of His love? Have you been saved from your sins? That's the will of God. You say, well, how can I become a Christian? What am I going to do? Do you know, it's very simple. Don't make it more complicated. We do. It's very simple. You come to Christ as you are, as a poor, lost, guilty sinner. And you cast yourself upon the mercy of God in Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I can't save myself. Save me from my sins. Make me your own child. I'm a sinner. Save me. Christian, do you pray like the apostle? Do you pray like him? Consider carefully your particular need. It's been stressed that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That is your standing need. It rebukes our ease, our sloth, our laziness, our indifference at times. Our prayerlessness, our contentment with where we are, where we stand we have much to learn but brothers and sisters in Christ we should not be discouraged because we are where we are God is at work in your heart and in your life God is at work and he will strengthen you as you pray as you seek to live a life that is well pleasing to him my concern tonight is To make sure you are on the right track. You will all be at different points in your Christian life. But are you on the right track? Are you praying in this kind of way? Desiring then to know above all else. The will of God in Jesus Christ for you. For your salvation. May God help us to pray in this manner. Amen. Amen.